Development Psychology Podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on Ayurveda, I want to share a reflection, a contemplation that came from a discussion I had recently. Are we living in a bubble when we believe that healthy living is easy? Is it actually possible to live healthily while in the rat race? The seed of the discussion was planted during this conversation I had about choosing to live healthily. And the question was really, are we actually all equal in making this decision in life? Is there a privilege of having received the right nutritional education and learning from early on in life how to be comfortable with moving, moving your body. And I was arguing that it's simply a choice of what we prioritize in life. But it really depends on having the knowledge that the possibility in itself exists. It had me remembering a time when I was just as clueless as the next person. Yet, I probably had better conditions for making the right changes than many others. I had the chance of growing up in a place and a time where breakfast food was not equal to high levels of fat and sugar. There was no coloring of my cereals. There was actually no cereals on the breakfast table. The canteen food in school was maybe not of the highest quality, but we never were served desserts, for instance, or sweetened drinks. In Scandinavian countries, we actually receive nutritional education and we have home economic classes to this day in what I would guess you would call a junior high or something like that in the 13 to 15 years old part of school. So we were taught how to cook, how to sew and how to work wood on a very basic level. And still, all through my 20s, I was not especially interested in my health. And the reason was double, I would say, because 
there was one part of me where, well, I didn't really think that I was experiencing any kind of symptoms. So there was no interest for that reason. But also, I was not surrounded by people who were health conscious. I say that I thought that I was not experiencing any kind of symptoms. Because most people, they think that whatever they're feeling is just normal. And I think that the biggest thief in this scenario is that word, normal. What is the norm? Normal means what's the average condition of a chosen population. It is what is to be expected. It is really what's standard. So even if we are not starting out equally in life, depending on where we come from, that might not make such a difference if the environment we live in does not promote, for instance, a healthy way of life. And if we're really honest with ourselves, isn't it true that most places in the world are not promoting a healthy life? Because most places are part of, well, society as we know it, which is the everlasting chase of consumerism. Consumerism, making money, paying debts, so on and so forth. And that is what we see as normal. Having a job with regular work hours, and those regular work hours usually implies that it takes up most of your awake time. And what seems to be normal as well is to prioritize this in front of everything else in your life. I had a consultation just the other day with a person who has a very demanding job. The kind of profession that needs several years of studies, which means, of course, that there has been a financial investment before even starting to work. For that reason and other reasons, the pressure to perform in order to earn a lot of money is very present. Now, the symptoms this person was experiencing were really easy to explain due to how this person lived their life. Both sleep and food habits were completely irregular and happening just at the wrong time of the day, really. And this led, of course, to depletion in terms of energy levels, digestive issues, and a generalized sensation of weakness in the body. And even though... They practically worked around the clock. They still dragged themselves to the gym about three or four times a week. And so to compensate for the lack of energy, really, this person would have a couple of coffees a day and at least two glasses of some kind of alcohol in the evening to be able to sleep. They claimed as well that there was no sugar cravings, which first surprised me, but then admitting 
that they smoked, this explains that. So we could argue that this is just a classic case study, like a school case, really, of what not to do, right? Anyone interested in health, so I guess most people listening to what I'm saying here, for them, it's not hard to see basically what needs to change, right? And however, when I told this person what I would want them to do, I could see in their eyes, even though nodding submissively, yes, of course, of course, that this will not happen anytime soon. Because in their world, the way they live, it's the norm. So it had me looking at myself and ask, am I living in a bubble? Sure enough, I was recently traveling and I recognized that, well, here where I live, having five health food stores within, you know, a radius of three kilometers of my house, probably these days around 10 yoga studios, I guess, and also just having a climate that invites you to want to spend time outside. Well, it's not necessarily the norm or standard in other places. Although my home country jumped on the health train many years ago, actually Sweden passed the 10% of the population being vegetarian almost 10 years ago. In a small town like my hometown, there's very little supply. Actually, you know what? The only health food store that existed closed its doors during the past year. There used to be a yoga studio that was actually a new thing as well. But I believe that maybe during COVID or something like that, they suffered quite a lot. And so I believe that they closed as well. Also, being a small town, it tends to have an aging population because, well, like many other countries, most young people are drawn to bigger cities in order to get the right job or access certain things. So this obviously sets the norm of the town as well. And then traveling as well to a completely different part of the world, the trend of the healthy living happened much later there and it's still just kind of emerging I would say which means that you really need to search quite hard for alternatives alternatives to the average standard way of living and eating and in a place where well the social and economical gaps are really quite sharp, as opposed to Scandinavia, the norm is not only a question of what you've been taught, it is also really a luxury to break away from. But there are also places in the world where people are not rich, where work is hard, takes up a lot of your time, and life is very busy, but they still take the time for meditation, yoga, cooking their own food, being health conscious. 
and so on, because it's the norm to do so there, right? Just thinking of, of course, where yoga and Ayurveda originated, so places like India. But even this idea of the blue zones, where people live until 100 easily, because it's the norm to live that way in those places. So the conclusion, I guess, that I would make out of this contemplation that I was having is that taking action to change behaviors and to break free from really unfulfilled way of living is much more linked to, of course, what the norm is, what you are surrounded by that is, than what you know, what you earn, or what you have time for. In general, in the world, we have come to a point where the norm is to accept a life not really worth living. And since living this way is validated by the people around us, we accept it because, well, we want to belong. Be careful when you listen to that word there, because the wanting to belong goes far beyond a conscious way of thinking. It's not as if people think, if I try to change, I will not belong to my friends and family. Instead, it will be this just nagging feeling of not wanting to be different or seeming difficult, kind of creating an unsolicited attention. Let's just take an obvious example of drinking culture. It is absolutely accepted that if you say no to alcohol, people can push you to drink anyway. And if you would say that you don't actually drink any alcohol, you would quickly get questions of why. Do you maybe have a problem? Let's not even start the conversation around um, being vegetarian or vegan. Then you're definitely being different, complicated, and why. And you get to defend your position very much. Because the idea, idea of enjoying life is thought of as using substances or eating things that are not nutritious, but instead triggers the pleasure points and dopamine. So to take action becomes a radical decision. When I teach about Ayurveda, most people are nodding their heads because what I'm saying makes so much sense to them. We don't live in a world that invites us to be different, to question what we do, and to want more out of life. Yet there is an inherent wisdom around it since it resonates with us. So we know what is true deep down, but 
we don't live in a world that invites us to look within. I actually often say when I see this nodding of the people going, yes, yes, this resonates with me. Imagine if we would teach this to children in school. Imagine if that would be the case, what would the world look like? Quite different. Ayurveda, the word Ayurveda, means science of life, we usually say, right? Because Veda means science or really knowledge. But Ayur, meaning life, is a little bit to limit the meaning of that word, word, because Ayur means life worth living. There is quite the difference of how you feel about your life. If you live in, let's say, Europe, Northern Hemisphere, in January, and there's no more money in the bank after spending everything around Christmas and New Year's, and you're probably feeling also quite off because of overeating and drinking and this and that and the other. And then it's dark and cold and you have to go to work. And if it's a job that you don't really like and that you spend quite a bit of time commuting if you're living in a big city, it really doesn't feel like a life worth living. And then when you instead have the opportunity to go on holiday let's say to a warm country where it's you know beautiful weather and so on and you have time to take care of yourself and practice and do um, meditation and all of those things you feel really really good and then you feel this is a life worth living but all of those things whether it's the positive or the negative are external conditions that impact the way you feel about your life and ayurveda claims that ayur, a life worth, worth living, is small choices made in every single moment in order to create for yourself meaning in life. And a life worth living, the Ayurvedic practitioner's knew from their perspective thousands of years ago what that would imply. And for that reason, they speak of four goals in life. And these four goals in life are to strive for in order to have a life worth living. Three of them are really the actions that you take, whereas the fourth is the result of them. They are dharma, or duty, or purpose, we could call it as well. Artha, prosperity, or abundance. Kama, pleasure. And these three are actions that you take in order to obtain the fourth one, which is moksha, or liberation. But that is not what we were taught in school, right? We were taught more things like learn these subjects. We don't know why, 
But what we understand is that we need to learn them so that we can pass an exam. And when we pass the exam, we ensure a place in a position in life where we will be safe. That really is. So everything is about making sure that later on you will feel good. Nowhere is it what is my purpose as a person in what I'm doing every single day. How can I make sure that this purpose makes me feel abundance? Having prosperity, feeling that I'm not in scarcity. And how can I do this while experiencing pleasure? Because pleasure in life is extremely important for your health. When we're in the rat race, when we're constantly on survival mode, we are not concerned with pleasure. Pleasure is something that we experience in short moments where we don't fight so hard to get somewhere. And so naturally, we are never experiencing a feeling of liberation. And once again, I refer back to my own personal experience. I did not have any notion of any of this at some point in my life. And the thing is, what I've noticed is that most of those who take action, and when I say take action, is just the fact of coming to see me and say, help me. It's because they've come to a point where they can't lie to themselves anymore. And that's exactly what happened to me. And that might be due to a feeling of being so unfulfilled that we feel depressed. It might also be having actual physical symptoms and I would invite you, who listens to this right now, who's already aware, to don't preach, okay? Don't preach to the people around you because it's not going to do anything. They probably just resent you more. It's like the, I don't want to drink. Oh, come on, have another one. Come on, you got to take pleasure in life. Right? doesn't work because they don't want to look at themselves. Instead, show through example. And you can show through example with really, really small things because depending on where you're at yourself right now, you might find it hard as well to take action. But you set an example by making a list of what is it that I need to do in the day in order to feel a little bit better? What's important to me? Would I take time to meditate? Would I start looking at, you know, what I eat? I made an episode on just looking over your kitchen. Actually, what's in your kitchen? What's in your cupboards? What is in your fridge? Is it helping you in making the right choices? This is, of course, why I made that little book. It's a small book on the Ayurvedic lifestyle giving some informations on why, because we need to understand why, and then giving very, very simple recipes of how to eat more in balance with nature. 
So set your own example. This is what's going to allow you to shine. And when people see that, then they take interest. Then they want it. So allow for that to happen instead. Check out the book, Living Ayurveda, Cooking My Way Back to Balance, on Amazon. You'll find the link in the show notes. And if you want to be guided in this work of finding balance again, now's the time because I'm just about to start a new round of Nourish, Balance, Thrive, the eight-week online group program. So get in touch as well. Once again, you get the uh, info in the show notes to tell me what you need and to see if this program might be for you. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.